God was broke, Jesus broke, and you're going to be broke too. You got to be okay with that. And they would say, preach messages about having holy hands and empty pockets. How many know you can't do nothing in this life with some empty pockets? I'm all about holy hands, being consecrated, being set apart, but you need some money too. I don't preach a broke gospel around here. The Bible says, he said, I'm going to supply all your need according to his riches, which lets me know he's a rich God. The Bible even says in Psalm 50, uh, verse 10, I believe it is, or, 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 I can't remember, it says that he owns a cattle on a thousand hills. But go to, go to, go to, go to uh, 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 Psalm 37 and 25. Psalm 37 uh, and 25. Again, we're just kind of reviewing about Jehovah Jireh, and we're going to slip right into Jehovah Rapha. He, David said, I've been young, and now I'm old. Yet I've not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his descendants. Anybody know you're his descendant? We are the continuance of God in the earth. The Bible says we were created in his what? Image and his likeness. That's in Genesis chapter 1. But it says, I've been young and now I'm old, yet I've not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his descendant begging bread. In other words, David was saying, listen, I've lived a little while and I've watched God be Jehovah Jireh in my life. He has been my provider. Matter of fact, look at the next verse. Look at this next verse. Look at it. It says he's ever merciful. Anybody know he's merciful? Ever merciful. And he lends. In other words, I think I said this last week or the week prior. When was the last time you saw a U-Haul truck following the hearse? Did y'all catch that? In other words, you can't take none of this with you. That's why the Bible says he lends it to you. Didn't he? Then it says he lends and his descendants are blessed. Next verse. Look at this next verse. Here it comes in Jesus' name. Did the computer freeze? It froze on us Wednesday. Depart from evil. Do good. And dwell forevermore. Next verse. For the Lord loves justice and does not forsake his saints. Listen, he says, I don't forsake my saints. Then it says they are preserved. Anybody know you've been preserved? He preserved you because he preferred you. I said that earlier. Amen. Then it says, but, his, but, but the descendants of the wicked shall be cut off. And then uh, 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 next verse. Look at this. The righteous shall inherit the land. And dwell in it forever. There are some things he wants you to do. And I'm going to be talking about land as we look at this topic. Look at one more uh, scripture. Go to uh, 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 Psalm 23. Psalm 23 and 1. And then we're going to move on to Jehovah Rapha. It says, it's the Psalm of David, the Lord is my shepherd. That word shepherd means he's the one that covers me. He's the one that protects me. So it says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. In other words, God wants to eventually take you to a place where lack is not even on your radar. He wants to cause so much rain to come in your life that you go from the land of just enough to more than enough. How many of you believe that? Amen. All right. Praise the Lord. Now let's get into the Jehovah Rophah. We looked at Jehovah Jireh. I wanted to just briefly touch on that. But then look at verse 25 again, Exodus 23, 25. So you shall serve the Lord your God. And he will bless your bread and your water. There he is again telling us that I will be Jehovah Jireh in your life. That I will bless your bread and your water. But let's focus on the latter part of the scripture. It says, I will take sickness away from the midst of you. How many of you know sickness is not yours to carry? 
If we believe he's Jehovah Jireh, he's my provider, and he makes it rain, you got to believe he's Jehovah Rapha. I know some pastors that will tell you, oh, I believe he's Jehovah Jireh, that he's a provider, but I'm a little suspect when it comes to the healing piece. I'm not all the way sure about that. But the Bible says in Hebrews 13 and 8 that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if, if he healed then, why wouldn't he heal now? Now, of course, I know that there's casualties that take place. I've been pastoring now for almost 12 years, and I've been in the ministry for almost 20. I've seen some situations where they told some people in their 50s that, you know, you got three months to live, and I watched them sit there and be like, okay, well, it is what it is. And I've watched some people say the devil is a lie. I've heard some people say, I shall live and not die to declare the works of the Lord. I knew a lady that had this, uh, cancer in her brain the size of a golf ball. And God told her, part of the reason why this cancer is in your body because of your unforgiveness. Everybody that's crossed you, you just harbor unforgiveness. Boy, next thing you know, they got let her out the hospital. She went and apologized to like almost 20 people, she said, and went back to the doctor. Two weeks later, the thing shrank to a raisin. Life is too short for you to allow somebody to rent space in your head and have you run around here bitter and with a spirit of unforgiveness. You didn't gave that person all kind of power over your mind. You need to get delivered from people and people's opinion. Who anointed them God anyway? You didn't allow these people words to carry weight all in your life. I hear stuff all the time. Like when we started the church and the church was growing, people said, oh, his church is growing because him and his wife are a pretty couple. You think I let that bother me? I can't help that God made me look good. <laughs> you know, I'm messing with y'all. I'm really not, but praise the Lord. I don't look like I fell out of a tree and hit every branch on the way down. How many know the devil is a lie? I was fearfully and wonderfully made too. Shoot. My point bringing that up, that was the word on the street. Oh, they joining the church because they cute and they look good. Then they said, oh, they put something in the water over there. Well, I was like, I finally just said, won't they just give God some credit for what he doing in me, through me, and for me because at the end of the day, it's him anyway because really, I ain't all that. I, I, I know it's the Holy Spirit, come on, that's aiding me and assisting me to do what I do. If it wasn't for the grace of God and for his wisdom, I wouldn't know what to come up here and drop on y'all. That's the Holy Ghost. So, my point is this. This woman had the cancer in her brain the size of a golf ball, it shrank to a raisin because she made a decision to go repent to some people. I mean, isn't that crazy that 19, 20 people, they all up under your skin. You allowing all these people to just dominate you. You all in your feelings and wondering why your body breaking down. So at the end of the day, I believe that God still physically heals people. I've seen it. I've been in ministry. Come on. We've had plenty of people at this church that could not have children. We had a couple of five years could not have children. We lay hands, pray, and then they just had twins. Because God will give you double for your trouble. 
if God healed Hannah in the Bible and gave her Samuel, if God healed Rebecca and gave her Joseph, if God healed Sarah's wound, come on somebody, and gave her Isaac, why won't he heal your wound? And we have a better covenant established on better promises. That's in Hebrews 8.6. So number one, he still heals us in the physical realm. There it is right there. But now he has obtained, we have obtained a more excellent ministry and as much as he also is the mediator of a better covenant. Somebody say better covenant, which was established on better promises. You better believe in the promises of God. The Bible says the promises of God are what? Yes and amen. Go to Jeremiah chapter 30, verse 17. Jeremiah 30, verse 17. Look at this real quick. So he says, I'm going to take sickness from the midst of you. How many of y'all ever been sick? And he took it. It was just the flu, pastor. He took it. It was bronchitis. Didn't he take it? And some of us, we ain't crazy. Come on, we're going to go to the Walgreens. Listen, don't get so spiritual that you're no earthly good. The Bible says that God will give men witty inventions, which means creative ideas. And if he gave them a creative idea to come up with a thing called Dayquil, NyQuil, come on, Excedrin. I'm going to take some Excedrin and pray. Lord, I thank you for my healing. That's not a lack of faith. That's just being smart. You know what? We should go to the doctor. He gives us physician. Now, the Bible refers to him as Jehovah Rafika, which means he's our physician, but that don't mean you don't have an earthly physician. You understand what I'm saying? You still need to go get checked up. I had a friend of mine that he just was regular checkup. They found cancer. They said, if we didn't see you this year, you was about to be in the fourth stage. But because we caught it so early, we got you. And he's still preaching the gospel in his 60s. But because he went for a regular checkup. We need, I don't like doctors. You better like them. Now listen, at the end of the day, nothing is above the physician. You understand what I'm saying? I still believe in healings. Amen? That he physically heals. The doctors told me when I was 40, I had arthritis in my left knee. I got in my car and she quoted up my shit. I started praying over myself. How I many know when you can't find somebody to lay hands on you, you better lay hands on yourself. Prophesy over yourself. I'll have a conversation with myself and tell myself I'm healed. I'm set free. I'm delivered. I'll have a conversation. Tell my, I ain't got no arthritis. That the enemy does not have dominion over my knee. The devil is alive. When you play basketball, they said you're going to always have to ice it. I've been playing basketball for the last four years. I ain't had to ice nothing. Why? Because I didn't receive it. Even my pastor or my doctor told me, he said, I watch you on Sunday nights. And he said, you always all over the place. And he's like, won't you just, you know, just sit in one area and you don't want to put so much pressure on your knee. And I told him, I ain't wired like that. I like to move around. You ain't going to have me just sitting behind the pulpit. Turn your Bibles to the book of Exodus. <laughs> I like to get out. I don't want to see you. Come on, I'm already blind. <laughs> so at the end of the day, we believe in physical healing around here. Go to Jeremiah 30, verse 17, I believe it is. Look at this. For I will restore your health. How many of you believe he can restore your health? 
Then it says, I will restore your health to you and heal all of your wounds. He will heal your wounds. Listen, at the end of the day, when the paramedics come to a situation, the first thing that the people do that are injured, they expose their wound so they can get what? Restored, so they can get healed. See, you got to be willing to put away your ego and be like, you know what? It's right here. Fix it. He said it again. I will restore your health to you and I will heal you. Of then it says, I will heal you of your wounds. He is still a healer. Sometimes we got to learn how to lay hands on ourselves. Well, pastor, you don't understand. It's a generational thing where everybody got sugar diabetes in the family. Well, it's time for you to pray for yourself and eat right. Can I get a witness up in here? I'm, I'm preaching to me. Shoot. You know how hard it was for me to not go to get me some tacos? Oh, y'all. I want them getting me a smoothie, an a, 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 a island green detox. That was my dinner last night. I was mad, frustrated. Oh, y'all ain't ready for me today. I'm trying to tighten some things up. Half of my life is gone. I'm 44. I'm trying to get in them 80s. So I even know I got to make some adjustments. Now I'm going to cheat today. <laughs> I'm just keeping it 100 with y'all. I'm, I'm about to devour something after church. But I'm about to go get that Island Green Detox on Monday though. You know, you got to start the week strong. Get some momentum. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Go one more. Go to Isaiah 58 and 8. Look at this. Isaiah 58 and 8. It says, for, uh, uh, look at this. Isaiah 58 uh, and 8. Isaiah. It says, uh, uh, then your light shall break forth like the morning. Your healing shall spring forth speedily. Somebody say speedily. And I like that. A lot of people, since my wife have had surgery, People have been saying, Pastor we, Kelly, we declare speedily healing in, in your life. And, and God is doing it. You know what I'm saying? That it's eight days today that she's had her surgery. She's coming along. Praise the Lord. She had a little setback on Friday because she tried to do, go to lunch with me and dinner. And she got fatigue on me. And I said, we should have just did lunch, not dinner. But she felt like she had the energy to do that. You know, because, you know, most women, y'all be all over the place anyway, trying to be maternal and this and that. And, you know what I'm saying? And so she was like, oh. I didn't hit a wall. I said, well, let's get you home and get you back in the bed. But guess what? We're still sticking to our guns that her healing is coming. What? Speedily. Somebody say speedily. You need to prophesy that over to you when you find yourself between a rock and a hard place and the enemy has tried to attack your health. You better declare, you know what? My healing is coming speedily. That this sickness is not unto death. Amen. Isn't that what uh, Jesus told Lazarus? He said, he, he told his sister, this sickness is not unto death. You have to declare that your sickness, when you get sick, come on, when you get the flu, you don't be up here like, well, this is it. No, you know this too shall pass. That this is passing over because I serve a God and his name is Jehovah Rapha. It's in his character. It's in his nature, not only to pay your bills, but to make sure your health is straight. Amen? Who receives that on this afternoon? Amen? Look at your name and say, he still heals. I want you to get that in your spirit.
He still heals. So we looked at physical healing. Let's look at emotional healing. Go to uh, Psalm 147, verse 3. Look at this. Psalm 147. He heals the brokenhearted, and he binds up their wounds. I'm going to ask y'all this question one time. How many of y'all have had your heart broke? Okay. So, all right. I just want to make sure. Okay. It's 100%. Praise the Lord. Because I was going to say, if you haven't had your heart broke, keep living. Because it's going to happen. In other words, you're gonna, somebody's going to die in your family. A friend's going to pass away. Amen. Somebody that told you that we exclusive. But they had an open marriage, but they forgot to tell you. That kind of stuff happens. So my point is this. Most of us in here, I saw about 99% of the hands go up, have experienced a broken heart. How many of you believe God can heal not only you physically, but he can heal a broken heart? Anybody ever been healed of a broken heart? Come on. Some of y'all, including me, then been in some relationships, got your heart broke, you had to pick your heart back up. Be like, <laughs> I can't believe it. But you picked your heart up. You had to take your heart. Give me my heart back. All women, y'all giggling up in here. <laughs> and some of us men, you can act tough and strong. But when she chose John over you, your feelings was hurt. You was all in your feelings. Thank you, minister. You just all in your feelings. So don't try to sit up here and act like you ain't never been let down. Don't sit up here and act like you ain't never been disappointed. But my point bringing this up is that God can heal a broken heart. I have watched people that have had a broken heart not step fully into their purpose because they were hesitant because they stopped trusting people. I've learned this over the years. You have to have your expectations of people have to be minimal. Two things my mom taught me when I started kingdom. She said, do two things, son. She said, humble is the way, but she said, make sure you guard your heart. She said, because people are dumb, dirty, and dangerous. The three Ds. Now, if you don't remember nothing else I say today, you better remember that. At the family reunion, do your best to avoid anybody that's dumb, dirty, and dangerous. You, you know, you got to draw a line. How you doing, my man? What's up? Man, it's good to see my... All right, man. Anybody got family like that? Raise your hand. They even got that in the white families, huh? They, uh, I thought that was a black thing. No, I'm just messing with you. No, I didn't have some conversations with Greg. Because I remember when his dad passed away, bless his soul, he's in glory. There was some little, you know, friction because he's not the oldest. And, you know, they felt like he was the more responsible one. So they put him the head over the estate and folks was falling out. I said, I thought that was just black people. <laughs> oh, man, people going to be people. You better. Did you just hear what I just said? That's a revelation for somebody in here. People are going to be people. You better draw a line with some people. Amen? Why? Because I ain't, I ain't trying to have my heart broke again. 
You understand what I'm saying? So my point is this, people of God. God even heals a broken heart. There are some people in this building, even right now, you need your heart to be healed. You have been broken. But he says, put it up, put it up, put it up. He said he heals. Is that what he said? He said that uh, he heals, he repairs, he cures, he mends a broken heart. Matter of fact, do you realize part of the reason why Jesus came into the earth was to heal broken hearts? Put that up in Luke chapter 4, um, verse 18. Look at this. Uh, uh, look at this. He binds up wounds. I love that. He, bind, he will bind that wound up. He will spiritually stitch you back up. Anybody ever had to get stitches before? Amen. He will spiritually stitch you back up. Look at this. It says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to what? Preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me. Anybody know you've been sent? Talking about you've been sent by God. Then it says he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Let's stop right there. Part of the reason why Jesus came into the earth was to help mend us, to cure us, to restore our broken heart. So don't walk around here with a broken heart. Listen, we're going to give you 24 hours. Well, some of us need longer than that because sometimes... I would say that about unforgiveness. You got 12 hours because you better not go to bed with that mess. But a broken heart, it takes time. It takes time. One of our members lost his father. Um, his father was at church um, Sunday for the first time ever at Kingdom. And then that was Sunday. And then Friday, I get a call from this individual that attends our church. And he said, said Pastor, I lost my dad this, this afternoon. 57 years old. You know, um, and I had just met him. We took him back in the green room, and we had a good time. You know, I didn't know that was going to be my first and my last time meeting him. Now i got to fly to California and help with that situation. But my point is that life is too short for us to be walking around here with unforgiveness. Come on, we already got three enemies. You say, what are those, Pastor Satan? You? Me? Yeah, you. Romans chapter 7, verse 18, put it up. You're like, how can I be my own enemy? Look, look, look. The Bible tells us that. For I know that in me, this is Paul. He said, I know in me, he owning it, he being honest, that that, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. Pastor, I'm always nice to people. Let somebody kick you. Let somebody just slap you out the boot. Let somebody pinch your booty. Oh, y'all ain't ready for me today. Y'all ain't ready for me. I guarantee you that evil nature going to rise up. You're going to cuss somebody out if you don't start swinging. <laughs> Can I get an amen for the women? He's like, well, it better be my husband. <laughs> well, that's right. Amen. Praise the Lord. He, he got access. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I remember one time I told this dude, check this out. I told this pastor, because we were talking about sex. And I said, when you're married, sex speaks of the goodness of God. He disagreed. He disagreed. I said, brother, you too spiritual. Because that's ministry within itself. That's, 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 that's marriage 101. Y'all ain't, ain't ready for all that. That's a word, though. Why y'all quiet? I need to get talk back to me, amen. Where's my married couples? 
Well, Pastor, he ain't been really putting out no way. Huh? That's why I'm just looking straight. You talk about it speaks to the goodness of God, but <laughs> we decree healing in the name of Jesus. Sanda. <laughs> what scripture was I looking at? Oh, sex speaks of the goodness of God. Come on, somebody. Don't be sitting up here like you came from Mars. You got here. Do I need to go there? All right, let's get back to the. Oh, three enemies. Satan and yourself. The Bible says, for I know that in me there's in my flesh nothing good dwells, for it will be present with me. But now to perform what is good, I do not find. You say, Pastor, well, you say time is my other enemy? Yeah. Put up Ecclesiastics 3 and 2. Ecclesiastics 3 and 2. Look at this, Ecclesiastics uh, 3 and 2. You say, I got all the time in the world, Pastor. I'm young. Let's look at what Ecclesiastics 3 and 2. Uh, that's 22. Do 3 and 2, please. It's all good. 3 and 2. A time to be born and a time to die. Listen, that, that'll cause you to have a broken heart. One of the things I shared with the gentleman who lost his dad that was here Sunday, I told him, you're not going to get over your dad dying. You don't get over a mom or a dad or a child. You can get through it, but you don't get over it. My best friend, I'm 44. He would be 44 right now. He died when we were 22. I still ain't got over it, but I've been able to get through it. And he was my friend, best man at my wedding. We, we, when I had my son, Isaiah, he was there. When we had his son, uh, uh, Jeremy, I was there. That kind of friendship. So my point is this. We got three enemies. We got to make the best of this life. Let's not be walking around here with a broken heart. 24-7. I believe God gives us a grace, a grace period to tighten that up, but at the end of the day, you gotta, you gotta, it's time to man up. It's time to woman up and say, you know what? It's time for me to wipe my tears. Psalm 30 verse 5 says, weeping may endure at night, but joy comes in the morning. Amen? And I, and I love that because God gives us a pass to cry for a season. But yeah, there it is right there. For anger is but for a moment. His favor is for life. Then it says, weeping man do at night, but joy comes in the morning. Matter of fact, put up verse 11. Look at verse 11. Look at this. I love this one. You have turned for me my morning into dancing. It's time for you to wipe your tears and say, Lord, I thank you that you're healing my soul. You're healing my emotions. You're healing me in my feelings. That you're turning my morning. You're turning my morning into dancing. The thing that you were mourning over, now you need to be dancing. Lord, I thank you that you deleted him out of my life. That Negro was crazy anyway. He wasn't for me. No. Lord, Thank you. Need to have a Pentecostal moment. Shh. 
shoot. I remember me and my wife was getting on a plane about four years ago, and the other girl that I thought I was going to marry was the stewardess that day. And she ran up to me, and my wife was right there, and she just, oh! I said, I'm so glad I didn't marry her. Wouldn't be no kingdom. Why? Because she was scared to take risks. Because when I would bring her to the house and she knew my parents were in ministry, she's like, we can't do that. That's risky. You don't even know if you're guaranteed a paycheck. Well, what do you plan on doing? I'm like, well, I'm going to be a sportscaster. I'm going to be like, this is ESPN. And, you know, did you see that run? And, you know, so-and-so did this and that. But God was like, boy, you're going to be a, you're gonna be a broadcaster, all right. You're going to be an anchor in my kingdom. And you ain't going to be calling no games. You're going to be calling, you're going to be talking about this good news called the Bible. Basic instructions before leaving earth. So I'm, I'm so glad. I, I said, Lord, thank you that I dodged that bullet. Ain't I got anybody in here that's... <laughs> anybody you know you dodged the bullet. Like if I would, that would not have worked. See, some of us thought that it was love, but it was really lust. Got your heart broke, but praise God, he's healed you. And if you haven't been healed, I believe now is your season to get healed from that relationship so you can eventually, I said eventually, move on to the next. Amen? I said this at 930 because some of us got to be married. Most of us. It's interesting because the Bible says it's better to, uh, to marry than to burn. When I grew up in church, that, they, they would put that in a hell context, like it's better to marry than to go to hell. No, that's saying it's better to marry than, it's better to, marry than to burn in your flesh. Because they would say, oh, you're going to burn in hell? No, no, no. That's, talking, that's giving you an out to say, you know what? I'm, I'm wired. I need to get married. I'll never forget, we had a men's man cave Monday, man cave Monday meeting with all the men. And I said, how many, it was 200 and something men. I said, how many of you men, are, you know you're called to be single for the rest of your life? One hand went up. Did y'all hear what I said? I said, brother, you like almost sit at the right hand of the father. I'm like, Jesus, because most of us, how we're wired, I said, most of us. Now, there's some that are called. I'm not hating on nobody that's called to singlehood. Listen, if that's what, listen, the greatest man that walked the earth was single. And his name was Jesus. Come on, somebody. So I'm not saying that you're abnormal because you're single. All I'm saying is most of us need to be married. Because we want to get some. Uh, They're not ready for me to do. They looking at me like a, come on, man. And I talk, y'all laugh because y'all know that's real talk. So ain't it, ain't it a blessing that God sanctioned marriage? Because he knew he was going to have all these cravings and appetites and soul leaping. And... and those of you, <laughs> he calls you the singlehood. And if that's not your issue, praise the Lord. A lot of us in here. <laughs> what are we talking about? Healing, healing, healing. Let's go back. Let's swerve back. Let's swerve back. 
So number one, he will physically heal you. He will heal you emotionally. You got three enemies you got to deal with. Satan, you, and time. Listen, life is too short for you to be running around here, operate in the spirit of unforgiveness, and running around here with a broken heart. Now, I believe God gives us a pass. He gives us grace to deal with our broken heart. But then over time, like I said, weeping man during night, but joy comes in the morning. He will turn your morning into what? All right. Last thing, and we're done. Go back to Ecclesiastics. Go back to Ecclesiastics. Uh, I'm sorry, go back to Exodus. Go back to Exodus uh, 15. 15, and we're going to pick up in verse 22. And we're going to shut this down. Exodus 15, let's go to verse 22. Look at this. It says, because my two points were he still heals physically and emotionally. He heals our feelings. Even I love Jeremiah. I didn't get there, but if you read Jeremiah 3.22, he said, I will even heal you of your backsliding. So when you backslide, he's saying, I will heal you. I will repair you. I will mend you. I will cure you because you backslid because you allowed your emotions to begin to lead you again. You allowed your feelings to lead you again. Amen. So he said, I will even heal you of your backsliding. But look at this. It says, Moses, he brought the Israel, he brought Israel from the Red Sea. Remember, he was the one that God used to part the Red Sea. Here it is. It was water. They begin to walk on dry ground. They begin to see God do something supernatural. But look what it says. It says, uh, then they went out into the wilderness of Shur, and they went three days. Somebody say three days. In the wilderness, and they found no water. So here they are. They hit a wall. There's no rain coming. There's no water. God has not caused water to come from a rock. He has not moved supernaturally. Look what happens. Now, when they came to Marah, they could not drink the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. So remember, Marah, uh, uh, the place that they had bitter, it was bitter waters. It says, therefore, the name of it was called Marah. But you look up the word Marah, in the Hebrew, it means bitter. So the waters were bitter. Next verse. Then it says, and the people, they complained against Moses, saying, what shall we drink? Because you know, anytime... The ministry hit a wall. Everybody looks at the pastor. So now they're looking at Moses. They're looking upside his head like, what you going to do? So look what Moses does. After they complain, he cried out to the Lord. Then it says, and the Lord showed him a tree. And when he cast it into the waters, the waters were made sweet. Somebody say sweet. There he made a stature and an ordinance for them. And then it says, and there he tested them, because before God can promote you, sometime he will test you. Before he elevates you, you got to go through testing. If anybody, or most of us, all of us have actually been to some type of school, you, in order for them to elevate you to the next grade, they put a test in front of you to even make sure you were worthy to even go to the next level. So it says, and he tested, and it says, and he said, if you, if you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in the sight, give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, I will put none of these diseases on you which I brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. So he is a Lord that still heals. And then look at the next verse. Look at this. So here it is. Then, somebody say then. They came to Elam. Now, remember, they were in Mara. Mara, the Hebrew means bitter. Now they're in Elam. Then it says, Elam in the Hebrew means big tree. Because look, 
It says where they were. There was 12 wells of water. Remember, they didn't have any water. They had bitter water that turned into sweet after he put the tree in there. Then it says uh, 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 where there was 12 wells of water and 70 palm trees. So they camped there by the waters. We're going to end right there. Check this out. Isn't it interesting that while they were in Mara, God healed the water? Because God can't take you to Elam until you are okay with being in Mara. Sometimes God will put you in Mara. In other words, everything ain't going to be sweet, baby. You got to be okay with going through some bitter times. Mm -hmm. Sometimes life is not going to be fair. But you still got to look to God to be the author and the finisher of your faith. You still have to say that no weapon formed against me shall prosper. You still have to declare that when the enemy comes in like a flood, that God will by his spirit will lift up a standard. You still got to know Romans 8.31 that if God be for you, who can be against you? So when you're in Mara which means being in a bitter place. See, God can't take you to Elam until you get healed in Mara. Because it was not until he healed the waters that they were able, the water was turned from being bitter to what? Sweet. See, even Job had to take the bitter with the sweet. Daniel had to take the bitter with the sweet. Come on, let's look at throughout, throughout the Bible. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They had to take the bitter with the sweet. Hezekiah had to take the bitter with the sweet. Oh, I got an even a bigger and better name. Jesus had to take the bitter with the sweet. Because remember, Jesus was even like, if possible, let this cup pass me by. Because he knew that cup was bitter. But he gets back in the spirit and he says, not my will. He even said, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. So he had to get out of his flesh. And get back into the spirit because even Jesus knew he had to take the bitter with the sweet. When I started kingdom in 2005, January 2nd, I was under another ministry. And most of you know my testimony. My pastor had made me sign a non-compete clause that if I ever started a church, it had to be one or two things. 35 miles from his church or the other solution was you have to wait a whole other year before you can start your own or else he said he would get lawyers. So I get a lawyer. My lawyer tells me what I signed in, in, in the documents when the whole water in court. So my lawyers told me January of 2004, start your church. But I begin to declare, you know, wait a minute. Proverbs 20 verse 7 says if a man walks in integrity, his children after him will be blessed. So what I did is I made a decision to be integral and wait a year and three days and then I started kingdom but my point is that I was in Mora but now I'm in Elam I was in a bitter place then but now I'm in a sweet place now so you gotta take the bitter with the sweet but I'm here to tell you that there's somebody in this building God is taking you from Mora he's taking you from bitter to Elam he's taking you to a better place where there's wells of water and palm trees all over the place somebody give God a Praise. Slap somebody and say, get ready for Elam. Get ready for Elam. Get ready for Elam. Get ready for Elam. Get ready because God is taking you to a sweet place. I'm going to give God a praise in this place.
Somebody scream, here I come, Elam. Come on and give God a praise in this place. Hallelujah. Look at your neighbor and say, he still heals. He still heals. He still heals. I don't care what the devil has tried to say, because enemy will try to lose space in our head and get us all discombobulated. But if God took them from Mara to Elam, here it is, they didn't have water for three days. All of a sudden, they stumble up on 12 wells of water. And you say, what's the significance of 70 palm trees? Shade, baby. Which is equivalent to AC. I can just see them just kick back, chillaxing under 70 palm trees. Come on, somebody. Could you just paint a picture of them drinking some lemonade? Talking about the goodness of God. Talking about how we escaped Mara. Had to chop a tree in the water to make the water sweet. And then God then took us from there to here. Now we got all these palm trees. All this shade. With continuous water just pumping. That's where God's trying to take us, people of God. He's trying to take us from a land of just enough. To more than enough. We're grateful for just enough. But I don't know about you. I'd rather have more than enough. And anybody ready for Elam? Anybody ready for God to do something sweeter in your life? I prophesy in the name of Jesus that you will see Elam in your lifetime. In the name of Jesus. I prophesy. This is a prophetic word for the people of God. That you will see Elam in your lifetime. Somebody need to God a fake praise in this place. Somebody scream, I receive it. Now give God a hand praise in this place. Somebody scream, Elam, here I come. Praise him one more time in this place. I know a little bit about Mora. Greg was in the swap meet. Who else was in the swap meet with me? Greg, throw your head up. Where's Mariah? See, y'all missed all that. See, while I was in Mora, I don't know where y'all was at. When I was having church in the cafeteria, <laughs> Mora, having church in the gymnasium, Mora, three years. Eight months and two days, I'm in my Elam. If God got another Elam, praise the Lord. But right now, I feel like I'm in my Elam. The Lord has brought kingdom in 11 and a half years, a mighty long way. And I'm sure if I had a conversation with you, you could tell me about your Mara. How you almost flatlined in your Mara. How you almost threw the towel in in your mora. How you almost gave up in your mora. But Elam was on your radar the whole time. You knew, wait a minute, one of these days, I'm about to see the goodness of God. I'm about to see the favor of God. I'm about to watch God promote me. I'm going to watch God elevate me and take me to another dimension. So I'm going to stick 
to my guns and I'm going to be still and know that he is God. Uh-huh. He bringing you out of moral. One of my other best friends is in the church today. Where you at, Daniel? Oh, you had a... He was with me in Mora. <laughs> Smoking weed in Mora. Oh, y'all. I'm glad I got a friend in the house. He was there. He still be tripping that I'm pastor. But he was telling me even in high school when we was tripping, we both knew we was called. When he preached his first message, I was there. When I preached my first message, he was there. But we knew the end from the beginning. We knew that God had his hand on us. But even then, you know, you still be immoral, tripping. Can I get a witness up here? Young and dumb and got to try almost everything once. I said almost everything. I got to get y'all out of here. Bow your heads. It's late. <laughs> Father, we thank you for the word that's gone forth. Seal it in our hearts today. Seal it in our minds. We thank you, God, that you're taking us from Mara, a bitter place, a place of discontent, to a place called Elam, where there's palm trees and continuous rain and water, provision. We thank you for that, God. We stand on your word today. Maybe you're in this building. Maybe